Section 10 of the Perfumed Garden by Sheikh Nafzawi, translated by Richard Burton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Alia Makki. Chapter 12. Concerning sundry observations useful to know for men and women. Know, O Vizier, to whom God be good, that the information contained in this chapter is of the greatest utility, and it is only in this book that such can be found. Assuredly, to know things is better than to be ignorant of them. Knowledge may be bad, but ignorance is still more so. The knowledge in question concerns matters unknown to you and relating to women. There was once a woman named Marbada, who was considered to be the most knowing and the wisest person of her time. She was a philosopher. One day various questions were put to her, and among them the following, which I shall give here with her answers in what part of a woman's body does her mind reside between her thighs and where her enjoyment in the same place and where the love of men and the hatred of them in the vulva she said adding to the man whom we love we give our vulva and we refuse it to him we hate we share our property with a man we love and are content with whatever little he may be able to bring to us if he has no fortune we take him as he is but on the other hand, we keep at a distance him whom we hate, were he to offer us wealth and riches. Where in a woman are located knowledge, love, and taste? In the eye, the heart, and the vulva. When asked for explanations on this subject, she replied, Knowledge dwells in the eye, for it is the woman's eyes that appreciates the beauty of form and appearance. By the medium of this organ, love penetrates into the heart, and dwells in it, and enslaves it. A woman in love pursues the object of her love, and lays snares for it. If she succeed, there will be an encounter between the beloved one and her vulva. The vulva tastes him, and then knows his sweet or bitter flavor. It is, in fact, the vulva which knows how to distinguish, by tasting, the good from the bad. Which we remember are preferred by women, what women are most eager for coitus, and which are those who detest it, which are the men preferred by women, and which are those whom they abominate she answered not all women have the same confirmation of vulva and they also differ in their manner of making love and in their love for and their aversion to things the same disparities exist in men both with regard to their organs and their tastes a woman of plump form and with a shallow uterus will look out for a member which is both short and thick which will completely fill her vagina without touching the bottom of it a long and a large member would not suit her. A woman with a deep-lying uterus, and consequently a long vagina, only yearns for a member which is long and thick, and of ample proportions, and thus fills her vagina in its whole extensions. She will despise the man with a small and slender member, for he could never satisfy her in coition. The following distinctions exist in the temperaments of women, the bilious, the melancholy, the sanguine, the phlegmatic, and the mixed. Those with a bilious or melancholy temperament are not much given to coitus, and like it only with men of the same disposition. Those who are sanguine or phlegmatic love coition to excess, and if they encounter a member, they would never let it leave their vulva if they could help it. With these also it is only men of their own temperament who can satisfy them, and if such a woman were married to a bilious or melancholy man, they would lead a sorry life together. 
as regards to mixed temperaments they exhibit neither marked predilection for nor aversion against coitus it has been observed that under all circumstances little women love coitus more and evince a stronger affection for the virile member than women of a large size only long and vigorous members suit them in them they find the delight of their existence and of their couch there are also women who love the coitus only on the edge of their vulva and when a man lying upon them wants to take his member into the vagina they take it out with a hand and place its gland between the lips of the vulva i have every reason to believe that this is only the case with young girls or with women not used to men i pray god to preserve us from such or from women for whom it is a matter of impossibility to give themselves up to men there are women who will do their husbands behest and will satisfy them and give them voluptuous pleasure by coition only if compelled by blows and ill-treatment some people ascribe this conduct to the aversion they feel against coition or against the husband but this is not so it is simply a question of temperament and character there are also women who do not care for coition because all their ideas turn upon the grandeurs personal honours ambitious hopes or business cares of the world with others this indifference springs as it may be from purity of the heart or from jealousy or from pronounced tendency of their souls towards another world or lastly from past violent sorrows furthermore the pleasure which they feel in coition depend not alone upon the size of the member but also upon the particular conformation of their own natural parts among those the vulva called from its form al murabba or the square one and al murafa the projecting is remarkable this vulva has the peculiarity of projecting all around when the woman is standing up and closes her thighs it burns for coitus its slit is narrow and it is called the kalihimi or the pressed one the woman who has such a one likes only large members and they must not let her wait long for the crisis but this is a general characteristic of women as to the desire of men for coition i must say that they are also addicted to it more or less according to their different temperaments which are five in number like the women's with the difference that the hankering of the woman after the member is stronger than that of the man after the vulva what are the faults of women marbada replied to this question the worst of women is she who immediately cries out loud as soon as her husband wants to touch the smallest amount of her property for his necessities in the same line stands she who divulges matters which her husband wants to be kept secret are there any more she is asked she adds the woman of a jealous disposition and the woman who raises her voice so as to drown that of her husband she who disseminates scandals the woman that scowls the one who is always burning to let men see her beauty and cannot stay at home and with respect to this last let me add that a woman who laughs much and is constantly seen at the street door may be taken to be an errant prostitute bad also are those women who mind people's affairs those who are always complaining those who steal things belonging to their husbands those of a disagreeable and imperious temper those who are not grateful for the kindnesses received those that will not share the conjugal couch or incommode their husbands by the uncomfortable positions they take in it those who are inclined to deceit treachery calumny and ruse then there are still women who are unlucky in whatever they undertake 
those who are always inclined to blame and censure those who invite their husbands to fulfil their conjugal duty only when it is convenient for them those that make noises in bed and lastly those who are shameless without intelligence tattlers and curious here you have the worst specimens amongst women End of chapter twelve chapter thirteen concerning the causes of enjoyment in the act of generation now o vizier to whom god be good that the causes which tend to develop the passion for coition are six in number the fire of an ardent love the superabundance of sperm the proximity of the loved person whose possession is eagerly desired the beauty of the face exciting viands and contact know also that the causes of the pleasure in cohabitation and the conditions of enjoyment are numerous but that the principal and the best ones are the heat of the vulva the narrowness dryness and sweet exhalation of the same if any one of these conditions is absent there is at the same time something wanting in the voluptuous enjoyment but if the vagina unites the required qualifications the enjoyment is complete in fact a moist vulva relaxes the nerves a cold one robs the member of all its vigour and bad exhalations from the vagina detract greatly from the pleasure as is also the case if the latter is very wide the acme of enjoyment which is produced by the abundance and impetuous ejaculation of the sperm depends upon one circumstance and this is that the vulva is furnished with a suction pump or orifice of the uterus which will clasp the viral member and suck up the sperm with an irresistible force the member once seized by the orifice the lover is powerless to retain the sperm for the orifice will not relax its hold until it has extracted every drop of the sperm and certainly if the crisis arrives before this gripping of the gland takes place the pleasure of the ejaculation will not be complete know that there are eight things which give strength to and favour the ejaculation these are bodily health the absence of all care and worry an unembarrassed mind natural gaiety of spirit good nourishment wealth the variety of the faces of women and the variety of their complexions if you wish to acquire strength for coitus take fruit of the mastic tree or dirr pound them and macerate them with oil and honey then drink of the liquid first thing in the morning you will thus become vigorous for coitus and there will be abundance of sperm produced the same result will be obtained by rubbing the viral member and the vulva with gall from the jackal this rubbing stimulates those parts and increases their vigour a savant named algelinos has said he who feels that he is weak for coition should drink before going to bed a glassful of very thick honey and eat twenty almonds and one hundred grains of the pine tree he must follow this regime for three days he may also pound onion seed sift it and mix it afterwards with honey stirring the mixture well and take of this mixture while still fasting a man who would wish to acquire vigour for coition may likewise melt down fat from the hump of a camel and rub his member with it just before the act it will then perform wonders and the woman will praise it for its work if you would make the enjoyment still more voluptuous masticate a little cuba pepper or cardamom grains of the large species put a certain quantity of it upon the head of your member and then go to work 
this will procure for you as well as for the woman a matchless enjoyment the ointment from the balm of the judea or of mecca produces a similar effect if you would make yourself very strong for coitus pound very carefully prether together with ginger mix them while pounding with ointment of lilac then rub with this compound your abdomen the testicles and the verge this will make you ardent for coitus you will likewise predispose yourself for cohabitation sensibly increasing the volume of your sperm gain increased vigour for the action and procure for yourself extraordinary erections by eating of crossocola the size of a mustard grain this excitement resulting from the use of this nostrum is unparalleled and all your qualification for coetus will be increased if you wish the woman to be inspired with a great desire to cohabit with you take a little of cubibs perether ginger and cinnamon which you will have to masticate just before joining her then moisten your member with your saliva and do her business for her from that moment she will have such an affection for you and she can scarcely be a moment without you a vero member rubbed with ass's milk will become uncommonly strong and vigorous green peas boiled carefully with onions and powdered with cinnamon ginger and cardamoms well pounded create for the consumer considerable amorous passion and strength in coitus end of chapter thirteen end of section ten